Hey everyone, I'm Paul Wicker. And I'm J.D. Brader. Today is September 7th, 2017, and these are your top eight PPC headlines from this week. Headline number one, which doesn't count as a headline, we just had Labor Day, and what did you do this Labor Day? Um, I tried to beat the heat, so it was super hot here. Uh, for those that were not in the Bay Area, we had all-time record heat, uh, not even just for the day or the year, but ever, and my mom was visiting. And so she got to experience the worst heat ever. But uh, the good stuff was I did two bicycle races and I won one of them. So it was pretty cool. And you made the news. You were in like uh, Bicycling Today or something. Right? Yeah, I made it into an article uh, in Cyclocross Magazine. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Famous. So for the next headline show, we'll talk about Cyclocross Magazine's yeah. top headlines. Think about doing a lunch and learn. Congratulations, JD. What'd you do? I was in Colorado, your former state. That's right. Climbing the 14ers of the Rocky Mountains and nearly killing myself with altitude sickness, but I survived, and it's beautiful out there. Yes, it is. Oh, well, at least you survived. Very true. And I had a chance to use some Instagram stories, so I got to play mm. around with social media a little bit more than usual. Uh, maybe we'll do that story first. Yeah, we Since can do that. we got some Instagram on here. Uh, yeah, so I used Instagram stories, and there's a kind of unrelated to marketing. You can now share, you were just telling me this, you can now share your Instagram stories to Facebook. And that was my biggest pet peeve because I don't want to spend like 20 minutes creating stories and photos and, and then have to share them three places because I got my parents on Facebook and more of kind of my peers on Instagram. So finally, although I didn't do it, apparently you can now just create a story in Instagram and share it to Facebook. Well, it's been spotted in the wild, so it's not it's not rolled out 100% yet, but it looks like uh, Facebook's having a little bit of trouble getting people to adopt stories where they don't have that problem on Instagram. I think I saw 250 million active users like daily for stories, and so now they're having that uh, capability to where you create that Instagram story where you normally would do it, and as you were saying, I'm on top of this mountain, I made this awesome story, quick, easy button, post to Facebook as well. So it helped get that adoption maybe. And one of the reasons might be because Instagram is now testing Facebook's Canvas ads in the stories feed. So they're rolling out their Canvas ads to Instagram. So it makes sense to also roll out stories from Instagram into Facebook. So it makes it easier for people to share stories and it makes it easier for marketers to advertise the Canvas ads within those stories. Yeah, I think it's a much better play for Instagram, the Canvas ads, it's also a big brand type of ad. You ask performance marketers, you guys using Canvas ads? They're like, no, what's that? You know? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, who <laughs> uses Canvas ads? They take so much time to set up. They're so custom. But yeah. Facebook has been promoting them pretty heavily. They opened up Canvas ads to organic page posts at some point last year. They added it, uh, the, the ad format, into the marketing API back in April. So they're committed to Canvas ads, even though most marketers I talk to, and to be fair, they're usually direct response or, you know, uh, kind of DR folks. They don't use Canvas ads. No, I, I really like it. So when, I've, when I have created them and I've had the ability to have nice, like actual creative and images and videos, they're really awesome. Um, it's really kind of like a landing page that you're building and you can, you know, interject text and then an image and then a carousel so you can have carousels and then a video in it and all within like this native mobile full screen experience which i think is pretty cool 
They look great. I just would hate to have to set one up. I, I set one up when they first came out. Yeah. I think I was at the Facebook conference a year ago, which is actually coming back up. So Facebook has their, they have a conference every year for all their API partners, and we will be there. I believe it's next week. So whatever we learn, we'll share on the headline show too, as long as we're not under NDA on it. Um, anyway, I remember setting one up. It was a total pain in the butt. It was way too long. But, um, but let's also talk about another company that Facebook has acquired and is starting to streamline into the Facebook way of doing things, and that's WhatsApp. Yeah. So probably not too many U.S. people here are on WhatsApp, um, but it's really big. Like it's really big in China. I've got a lot of friends that uh, travel back and forth between there, and they're like, that's all I use, man. That's all I use is WhatsApp. You can like do payments through it. You can call. You can text. And they said like the VoIP aspect of it is brilliant, like the clarity and everything. But anyway, they're big believers, even though it hasn't been uh, adopted necessarily here yet, but it is fast and rising. And like Paul was saying, it is Facebook owned. So... Now that they have the adoption, they have a lot of people, it's time to make money. That is pretty much Facebook's MO. And now they are offering um, a free business version, and then they're going to start charging for like the big enterprise type of, uh, uh, what is it, company accounts. And that way, companies can then communicate with their uh, customers with this app. Kind of cool. I used to travel to Israel a lot. A former company had their development team there, and I used WhatsApp a ton. Hmm. And yeah, everyone uses it when you leave the U.S. It feels like, although I'm setting up setting it up right now on my phone during this show, uh, because I got the new Pixel from Google. Well, it's not new. There's a newer version coming out, but I recently got a Pixel, and I have yet to use WhatsApp. Anyway, I think the thing that's interesting is Facebook for business. Is, you know, Facebook's trying to make that a thing, right? You can create like this private Facebook-like environment to like share information and post on your internal wall. And both Facebook and Twitter in the past have really been trying to push either Messenger or Twitter DM mm -hmm. as this tool to interact with your customers if you're a small, small business. So this does feel like another step in that direction for Facebook to try to use WhatsApp, just like they're trying to use Messenger here in the U.S., to become the conduit for customer to talk to a small business. Uh, so it makes sense. Uh, the other point I thought was amazing was WhatsApp has tripled in size since being acquired by Facebook. So the user base has grown tremendously and Facebook really took a very hands-off approach to managing WhatsApp. Just let them, at least from the reporting, let them kind of run their own, own show. So it's always impressive when someone makes an acquisition and doesn't screw it up. And then to watch uh, the results and the, the fact that it's triple in size is pretty impressive. Yeah, if you've got a large international audience, I would definitely be trying to jump on this. It is in closed beta right now, as they are verifying accounts, looks like very manually right now, just to make sure that they don't screw that process up. So look for it in the future, and then um, as the article says, again, it'll put in the show notes, is it'll probably be something similar to like Messenger ads, where you can you know, send people to your message that you want to talk with. And then if you want to talk to people who have messaged you before, they will have to message you and then you can message them. Gotcha. And you yeah. get an official check mark on yep. your account, which people love in Twitter. So maybe they'll love it in WhatsApp too. And then it's green. Right. <laughs> not blue. Like not Twitter. Blue. Speaking That's of right. Twitter, not, not much news on the ad side for Twitter. Uh, 
in a while now. In a while. Yeah. But they are in the news quite a bit because of the whole Russian hacking of the election thing. And very much uh, Twitter's been at the center of the Trump presidency's communication strategy. And uh, anytime people talk about fake news and Russian hacking, it feels like Twitter comes up. Yeah, it's... Uh, I was on a um, a different podcast a couple of weeks back, and they had a really good point. Uh, the host made was if Twitter can't get it together under this presidency. So think about a presidency so tied to a social network, right? If they can't figure out that, right, they may they may be doomed. <laughs> right, he's the biggest celebrity. You know, love him or hate him, everybody listens to him. You know, either because you love him or because you hate him. So he's probably the biggest celebrity to just fully embrace Twitter. In terms of global reach, so yeah, you're right. Like if if Twitter can't turn this publicity into a resurgence of the brand, what can they uh, what can they hope for? Um, although I did see what I was looking for some Twitter news. They did have a bug. So if you are a Twitter user and you use lists, lists have been mysteriously disappearing or being. Some people were saying their private lists were being made public, and there was a lot of conspiracy around. Is it part of that? You know, Twitter trying to you know, restrict users from targeting folks for hate crimes or, you know, doing more of this brand protection or kind of moral uh, policing of what should be shared on Twitter. Anyway, Twitter just said, no, it's just a bug with lists. <laughs> um, and I, I have to find the headline because it, it really made me chuckle because Twitter, uh, here's, well, this is the subheader, exciting new problem for Twitter to completely ignore. <laughs> so their reputation is struggling a bit. Yeah, I, you know, I really hope that they can get it together and figure out how to monetize the platform because, like I said, I really like Twitter. Well, you and I are are Twitterers. I'm Wikipedia on Twitter, and you are at JD Prater. Right. You didn't yeah. get very exciting with yours. <laughs> no. Um, Just trying to claim all brand uh, tied to my name as that's possible. That's true. Well, you have a mysterious initial first name with JD. I mean, that's right. John David James Dugan. Uh, it's Jimmy Dean remain a mystery. Do you like Jimmy Dean sausage? So you name <laughs> your or your parents did. You did get the middle name. It is Dean, but you, you're I, I can't reveal the first one. I'm to just gonna guessing. I'm just gonna go to Cyclocross Magazine and look it up. <laughs> uh, all right, LinkedIn. Let's talk about LinkedIn. Uh, this is the big one. Uh, this is at least for all of us within kind of performance marketing. We've all known LinkedIn's had the most expensive cost per clicks, right? And there's only and they claim, you know, it's because there's only so much inventory, because supply and demand, therefore we have a high cost. Well, now they just launched audience network for sponsored content. And so this is gonna be a really, uh, really big thing for um, advertisers who are looking to increase the inventory and get their ads into more places, which I'm hoping will bring down the cost. And really cool thing so far. They came out with Blocklist, which I think is really important for a lot of like brand safety. So good of them to do that. You can upload a list up to 20,000 URLs uh, to prevent your ads from serving on those. So you can go into your AdWords, maybe you have one set up on Facebook, use those exact same list, apply them in there, which I think is definitely a must. Um, any other things that you saw on there too, Paul? Well, I commend them for coming out with the kind of block list and category blocking right from the get-go. And it, it's a pretty robust, I hate when I say robust, it's, it's such a buzzword. <laughs> it's a, a well-built feature in that we've seen recently 
um, who is it that just did Blacklist we talked about two weeks ago? Snapchat. Snapchat. Right. So Snapchat released their audience targeting with Blacklists. And Facebook has some category blocking too, but they're so limited. There's like six categories on Snapchat. So you end up blocking like news, which is like everything. If you look at LinkedIn's categories, they're using the IAB categories. So there's, I don't know how many, but there's probably hundreds and they're yeah. extremely specific. <clears throat> so you might actually use them uh, if you want to you know, block categories. So I think they did a great job with the IAB category targeting and letting you do uh, specific URLs as well. Yeah, and they released some stats from their beta program, and their, according to their beta program, advertisers saw a 3 to 13% increase in unique impressions served. So, again, that's that extra inventory, and up to 80% increase in unique clicks. So, what? Yeah. How do you get a 13% increase in impressions, but an 80% increase in clicks? So, is it the cost per click came down so much? No. Unique. I yeah. think that's the key. It's just different people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's real. I yeah. mean, it's a testimonial for a new feature launch. How could it ever be <laughs> targeted to be to be right in just this case? Uh, I always laugh at these stats. Every time someone launches a product, there's always yeah. some amazing percentage with it, which I never believe. But um, hey, more traffic from the LinkedIn network is a good thing if you're doing, you know, a direct response or you're trying to drive leads on premium apps and websites premium right that's sure it's not crap inventory it's yeah the best inventory. the best of the, because everybody that wants to monetize heads to linkedin first to get to get some <laughs> uh, get some money from the linkedin advertising network <laughs> to be fair like i don't know how anyone competes with google uh, with adsense adsense is just so pervasive yeah. and it's so easy yeah. to set up and you make good money it's I would hate to be Microsoft slash LinkedIn walking in after Google. And now I guess Facebook, you know, is becoming more popular, although mostly targeted on mobile. And then if you're kind of retail-y, you want to put Amazon ads on there. So it's a tough sell, I think, unless LinkedIn really is targeting folks that fit their audience. And they can, you know, we always complain about high CPMs and high CPCs on LinkedIn. Well, on the flip side, the publisher partners, you know, that's what they want to hear. So if you're paying $8, $10, $12 CPMs on LinkedIn, I have no idea what they're cutting, uh, you know, deals with for the publisher sites, but I'm guessing they're going to totally, you know, like boost it in the beginning because they want to get more publisher partners. So they might be paying like Mm 50-50 or maybe even higher, 70-30 to try to just get people in the network and steal them from AdSense. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. $10 CPMs. One of the uh, ones that was in there, it was kind of hidden, was Outlook. Hmm. Outlook. So we got Outlook ads now, kind of like Gmail ads. Huh. And, you know, since they're owned by Microsoft, you have Microsoft obviously serving their own ads through yeah. Microsoft Ad Center, whatever they call it these yeah. days, Bing ads. I just went back in time there with the Microsoft <laughs> Ad Center. Uh, so now if I'm a publisher, do I put Bing ads or do I put LinkedIn sponsored content on my site? Probably both. Yeah. <laughs> just give me the money. I'm guessing the sponsor content looks more like sponsor content mm-hmm. when it shows up on other websites. So maybe it's if you want more of that native, quote unquote, native type of hmm. ads. Although LinkedIn also does have a text ad product. Mm-hmm. It's a legacy it's product, but they have continued to support it. And you wonder if that's going to be folded into Bing ads at some point. Yeah. I would like to see that. It'd be sweet. Yeah. Well, they just got acquired, what, a year and a half ago? So probably we'll see a lot more over time, I would guess. But All right, speaking of search, we got some AdWords and Bing stuff. 
Yeah, I got some ad words um, for all of you shoppers out there. So e-commerce, um, Google just made it um, really easy for you guys to see how often your shopping ad is in the top spot, which I thought was really cool. So whenever you've traditionally run your shopping ads, it's been kind of like a black hole. You don't really know kind of like where you are. You know that you're there. You're doing a lot of ad previews. You're like, man, what does this look like? What does my other ads look like? Well, now you're going to be able to get this new uh, stat called Absolute Top Impression Share, A-T-I-S. And it's another metric for us to look at and stare at, of course. But it's going to give us a really good insight into ad prominence within like the, their product carousel. So as you guys have seen now too, really the shopping, it looks kind of like a big carousel ad at the very top. And now you'll be able to see how often... Uh, you are in that prominent position and hopefully maybe then adjust probably your bid, hopefully getting more of those clicks and ultimately more visibility. You know, that's that impression aspect of it. And another acronym to remember and confuse your <laughs> friends with, ATIS. ATIS. I just like the name Absolute Top. It just sounds like uh, very impressive if your ad is in the Absolute <laughs> Top. And then Bing also made some changes uh, you can do retargeting or remarketing rather on Bing, and now you can also do a bid adjustment uh, on the targeted audiences. So kind of something that's pretty obvious maybe, and we were waiting to happen on Bing, so they rolled that out. Also, I've been creeping on the Bing API nodes, mm. and uh, they're doing kind of a big backend kind of uh, reset, so to speak, to bring the way they do kind of everything more in alignment with AdWords. And I don't want to ramble on it because I, I don't remember exactly what it is. I want to say the final URLs tracking and all the bid adjustments, like moving them architecturally into a, a way that's similar to AdWords. So long story short, we'll keep you up to date, but it might be easier to copy over Google to Bing campaigns, like even more completely in the future hmm. with things like tracking templates and, and bid adjustments, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we got, uh, let's see, we got two more. YouTube. So this one isn't really ad related, but I, I see it as writing on the wall. So YouTube is allowing uh, iOS. So you iPhone users out there and um, what is it? The iPad users, right? Uh, you can now live stream directly into YouTube from your device. So if you're a YouTube uh, and you have to be verified, so you have to be a verified YouTube user, you could be walking around live streaming. So again, this is trying to compete with the Facebook Live. I didn't really quite see it take off within Facebook as you know when it first came out. You know they gave it really high prominence in the news feed. So I'm really interested to see how this will live stream will work within YouTube. It seems like YouTube is more of a destination for already made right. videos or movies, right, rather than live videos. Yeah, I remember a few months ago we talked about YouTube doing more to try to build their live content uh, by making some partnerships with the sport networks or the sporting associations, I guess, to get more people to YouTube to watch live content. I, I also think of it as, you know, content that's already been made, but uh, but we're also getting old. So maybe kids these days, you know, they <laughs> yeah. want to live, they, everything needs to be live streamed. It is targeted a bit at the Twitch users, so if you're familiar with Twitch, you can go on the Twitch, I think it's .tv, and it's basically just live streaming desktops of people playing video games. 
and then a bunch of people commenting on it. Uh, it's a huge business, like the whole rise of uh, esports and people watching competitive video game playing is like becoming a multi-billion dollar industry. It's kind of like what ads was doing when people were not paying attention to it and, you're, and someone was like, hey, you know, people spend billions on Google. Well, now people are spending billions on esports. So YouTube might be making a bit of a play there, but obviously for them it's about getting eyeballs. So this is another way to get eyeballs, let people stream their Apple devices. Yeah. See it. See how it works. I thought it was interesting that they went iOS, not Android first, though. That's why I was wondering if maybe you can already do it on huh. Android, and this maybe. was like the big feature gap closer. Uh, I have an Android phone. I will try to live stream. You know what? Next episode, let's live stream <laughs> the episode onto, onto, YouTube. onto YouTube. We used to live stream on Facebook, but it was so laggy that it was unwatchable. Yeah. We should try that again. All right. All right. Last story, and perhaps the best. We saved the best for last. Yeah. Uh... Google Data Studio just announced some really cool third-party data connectors. So, Paul, what is a third-party data connector? It's AdStage. It's yeah. us. So we are a Google data, data Studio data connector. This is hard to say. But essentially, Google Data Studio, which is the free report tool that Google built, uh, rumor is that it was like a hack project and that Google was using it to build their own kind of internal BI tool. And then people said, hey, you know what, we should be reusing this and make it like a standard library. And then someone else said, hey, and why don't we just make it free for everyone? So we could probably have a whole episode on reporting and report builders. Obviously, we have our own ad stage report, which a lot of marketers use. So we have a lot of thoughts on the future of reporting. Uh, we're happy to see Google kind of enter and add a bunch of free tools uh, into the space. But one of the big problems was you couldn't get data into Google Data Studio very easily. They only really supported Google products. So if you had Google Analytics and Google AdWords, that data flowed very seamlessly. Anything else you had to put into Sheets or you had to put into a database like Redshift or Amazon uh, Big Big Cloud, BigQuery. BigQuery. So now, yeah, about, I don't know, a month ago, Google came to us, which doesn't happen often, and said, hey, we know you guys move a lot of data for paid ads. Would you want to be a launch partner? And we said, sure. So. We're one of a handful of partners that were just launched yesterday. So if you head over to uh, Google, or just Google Google Data Studio and look at the connector gallery, you will see AdStage in there. You also see some other favorites like Supermetrics and actually I think only, only them. Oh, and Funnel, uh, who are the folks at Quaya. So there's a few of us that made it in there, but not many. Uh, in fact, it looks oh, like data world. it's us three and then two companies uh, one call tracking company call rail and then data world and and modal solutions analytics canvas which i never heard of but anyway if you haven't played around with the google data studio report builder you should try it out and now you could use AdStage to get your data um, if you want to that's the news with google data studio yeah and the great thing with the AdStage one is um, you don't have to do several connectors you can just do our one connector and get you know nine different networks one right connector into. to rule them all one connector to rule them all yeah it's pretty cool i cut off your plug there <laughs> sorry about that i thought you were done um, good man all right so go check out google data studio and any other headlines that we didn't cover you could always head over to blog.adstage.io and and read read more about stuff happening in ppc or find more of our headlines episodes on soundcloud just google adstage and you will find them. And if you want to learn more about that AdStage data connector, just head over to adstage.io and we've got something on there. Yeah, forward slash Google Data Studio. So yeah, right. it's there. Separated by 
dashes, Google dash data dash studio. But I think, yeah, you'll find it somewhere on there. Yeah. Will you find it on our website or is it a yeah, landing page right. only? Who knows? We don't know this stuff. Who are we? Just the marketing uh, team at Chelsea. <laughs> This is the product team. (laughs) Yeah, right now we'll be the product team. (laughs) All right, enjoy your week, and we'll see you next week with more headlines. See you guys.